But I loved how you said, it's like, you have to understand who you are right now. And by knowing who you are and being accepted for who you are, then from that place, you can go perform. So you didn't say, don't perform. You said, perform in a place of being okay with yourself, stating these three words, which is, I am enough. When you get to a place of understanding that who I am right now, I am enough right now if I win or lose. And from that place of freedom, from that place of being accepted or feeling loved, then you can perform at your very best. So welcome to another episode of the Chris Lieto podcast. This week we have world champion surfer CJ Hobgood. I encourage you if you're not a surfer to listen to this episode. This episode is full of a great conversation that we had about our lives, about his career and where it's gone since then and now how he's used endurance sports and running and doing Ironmans and triathlon to explore a next phase of his life. So I encourage you to listen to this episode, enjoy it. You will not be disappointed. And I wanna make sure that I mention adaday.com. Go and check out Adaday and their brand new BioZoom gun. Super quiet, it's uh, high as far as performance. It also has a Bluetooth link to your phone uh, so you can utilize all of the brand new features that you'll see in the new BioZoom. And also make sure that if you go on there and purchase something, use coupon code CHRIS20, which will give you obviously a 20% discount in your purchase and make sure that you bounce back from your workouts so you can hit it again the next day and help with any issues that you may be having, any tight muscles or anything like that, adaday.com, coupon code CHRIS20. This episode is also presented by and supported by Gatorade Endurance. The Gatorade Endurance product is electrolyte drink as well as gels and additional products that you can find at their website. GatoradeEndurance.com and it's designed for endurance athletes or athletes that have prolonged exercise or exertion and a lot of that is due to the electrolytes and the balance of carbs or the formula of the carbs for your body to absorb and go to GatoradeEndurance.com to find their products and use coupon code CHRIS20 uh, to get a 20% discount. Also want to mention Chorus Watches, this brand new watch that I got a few weeks ago. I love it. Battery life lives forever uh, or very long time, but go ahead and check out the links in the bio. And uh, thank you again for listening and watching the show. Without further ado, I want to get into this episode in this great conversation. So enjoy this episode with CJ Hobgood, world champion surfer. Can't believe you're running, you're running marathons and triathlons. Dude, you know, um, you know what? You know the. I uh, might have to like tell the story again because it's so beautiful. But your like your story is is what's the right word? It's kind of, and you don't even know this. Like this is the first time we're talking. Whatever we might have talked over text and everything. But I guess it's sort of like tied me like to to you in a way where i'm just like that's it that's my people right there you know yeah. and and then so did you did you grow up in hawaii or how long had you no been? i've only been in hawaii for 10 years um i grew up in northern california and okay i used to surf in santa cruz a little bit pre-triathlon and pre-career and all that kind of stuff so I was there, I moved to Hawaii towards the end of my career. I only had about two years left in my career that I still raced when I was here, maybe three years. And then, um, yeah. So just, how many years had you been going to, you know, uh, let's just say, you know, 
Pipeline, which is, you know, AKA Kona, the world, the, you know, the sort of the world championship of, of, of your sport, your endeavor. Man, I came to Kona. I didn't start coming to Kona until I got into triathlon. That's what brought me here in the beginning. And so I came here to compete just once a year. Um, mm -hmm. I always loved Hawaii as a kid. I always wanted to move here. I always wanted to be around the ocean and just have that draw towards it. But for sure, it, was, um, it wasn't until triathlon that brought me to Hawaii. But I, man, I've, I've been coming to Hawaii. I don't even know how many Ironmans I've done. I think I've done like 11 or 12 Konas, like world championships. You know, it's the big, it's the big show. You know, I've won Ironmans around the world. I've done probably 40 or 50 Ironmans around the world. Um, not including half Ironman experience and stuff like that, but yeah, Hawaii is definitely more unique, different. So yeah, so the way, so how my brain so uh, interpreted, you know, your story was like, oh my gosh, this is Pipeline. The guy's been going to Pipeline since he was a you know young kid. This was his dream. All he wanted to do was was win this event this was his this was it right and you're telling that story um how you're in the lead you're winning this is it this it's all coming together right here and um i love you know i love the you know the, just the the failure in it like i love the human side of it and i and and I, I think the reason why I was so endeared to that is because I was like, that's it. That's my story. Like, I always wanted to win Pipe. I would have traded everything in for Pipe, and I never got there, you know? You put it towards, like, one, one goal. There's only one, like, for me, and it is for you, there was one, one thing that was important in the career and that was to win the world championships. That was to win pipe for you. That was to win Kona Hawaii for me. And that was it. All the other events were just stepping stones, tools, lessons, improve, improve performance or whatever to get to that. But that's, that was the focus every year, all year for sure. Yeah. And no, I get chills because like, and, and that's in, like, imagine living in that story for, for so long for essentially your whole life you're living out of that story that performance and it never happens and there's things that happen where people are chris you're so gnarly that's so sick dude you're the best and you're like you don't want to give the guy the flat tire so you're like dude thanks so much appreciate it <laughs> but like you got to you got to get to a point in your life where you're and, and, and I know you're there because I see you at that event helping out other people and, you know, you know, just, just those things that where you are getting to in your stage of your life where it's not performance anymore. Um, and I don't know, I just relate to so, so much of that, you know, I mean, we're about similar age. I'm, I'm 40 now. So there's like this season of life and there's these things that we went through that, you know, on the external people are just like, oh, that's so successful. But, you know, on, on, on the, on the, you know, with us, it's like, we did fall short, but we got to a place where um, it was really cool. And there's so much that we can benefit from it and we can be so thankful. So that's where I was just like, 
on the performance side of things of just going, dude, this guy is, this is my story right here. You know, yeah. this, this is, I'm endeared to this dude. <laughs> There's only very few people that understand that journey and get that story and get the hardships, get the success, get the, the identity crisis post career or post not getting that goal. Like, what is that like? Even understanding in that, knowing that your identity is not based around performance. Like you get that in your mind. You're like, yes, who I am is not defined by me winning this event, right? But only people that are in that and that are professional athletes get that. And that's the whole reason why I wanted to do this podcast was to bring people like you on to be like, here's a journey that I've had. This is how I went through it. This is how someone else can learn from it. And it's not all roses. It's not all perfect. And it's not all, all great. Uh, blessed wouldn't change anything for it because it was an amazing journey, but it still has its challenges and still has its, its uh, ups and downs, you know? But isn't that crazy how growing up the world had taught us. So the world taught me and I love surfing, right? I have, you know, somewhat of a gift at it and I'm like, this is it. Right. But then every time I perform good, or every time I did perform, I got praise for it. I got financial benefit from it. And even if I screwed up, as long as I won or did good, it like washed away everything. So my whole life, I learned how to do life by performing, you know? Yeah, totally. Did you ever get to a point or were you ever like when you won an event or did an event, did you relish and accept the victory and remember those victories or were you always immediately on to the next on to the next one? I, I, I learned that like amnesia was my best friend. Someone told me early on, like, dude, when you lose, you just like sit and poop for way too long. And I was probably like 13 or 14. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That's my, that's one of my tequila heel, you know? And I'm like, I'm just going to go amnesia. I'm just going to amnesia every. So um, with that said, I don't really remember that good, but I remember trying, I do remember trying to enjoy things. Like when it would happen, I would really, really try to sit and enjoy it to the fullest. And I, I felt like I would always like fall like, like not short, but like by a great distance, I would fall short of, of trying to, you know, enjoy or shower myself in it. It, it just, it just didn't fit real well. And I, I never got there. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, for me too, it was kind of like always wanting to, yeah, you're always, as far as performance based, you know, as far as looking at your results. And I remember the events that I got close to winning or, or I got, you know, third or fourth or whatever, I remember coming across the finish line. And the first thing that I felt like I needed to do was to apologize, apologize, <laughs> apologize to my sponsors, apologize to my family, to my wife. Cause it was kind of like, man, I felt like I just let them all down because yeah, you're being grown, you're growing up as a young adult or a young kid that yeah, everything is based on performance. At least that's how I was as well. And it's not to say that my parents didn't raise me well. I think it's just a society thing. I think it's a boy thing that, we get praised when we do something good. And I find, mm -hmm. especially nowadays as a parent, the first thing you want to do is, is encourage your kid when they do something great. Oh, that was amazing. You did awesome. Yeah. And you do it from love. So it's not like you're doing it to try to mess them up. You do it from love. 
but you hold on to those things and that's where you have to, it's hard to reverse that. And doing this is trying to help reverse that or get that message across to the young kids that want to be in sport or those that are already adults in work or whatever that, yeah, you, you, you can't be driven by performance. You have to be driven by something outside of that, which is usually like relationships or connection or love or faith or whatever. And um, it's a hard message to get across because everyone in society is so driven by comparison performance. Look at me. That I mean, that is such that's such a good way to approach it, right? Because like every time you didn't win, the feeling was I let someone else down, right? Because you were like, look, they're going to praise me because I'm going to perform and I'm going to do good. I'm going to win. So then the second you don't win, even if you ran your fastest, you know, whatever, even whatever it was, you, you, your knee jerk is to go, I let someone down and you don't want to let people down. You know, it was funny. I, I learned how to do life of like not letting people down. And maybe, maybe that's not the right word, but just, but just approaching life like that is, 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 you can do a lot of harm, yeah. even the, even the path paved, but at whatever point we want to make that bridge. So that's why I got into running and stuff, because what better way for the creator to teach me about getting from an area of performance to like an area of of, of living, of living out of how it was designed. And he got, he's like, I did a um, triathlon that essentially my wife signed me up for. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at running. And I'm like, well, the only time you've ran is from when the waves were firing, you got from the parking lot to the beach as fast as you could, like, and, and that's probably as much as you run. So like you do that, you know, so you add all that up. It's not very far. And God was like, dude, just start running and I'll teach you about life. And I mean, even when I went and run for a run for a day, I always, I always go, okay, what are you, you're on a hunt, right? Or you're hunting waves or you're hunting game. And it's like, what are you out here hunting? And I, I go, I tell myself, I'm like, I'm out here hunting to be able to not control the mind, but, but be, but understand what the mind is doing and how it's acting. And then I'm out here for my soul, right? And then the physicalness of it is the byproduct. So what you see here, which I'm looking at you right now, the flesh would be the byproduct, you know? And I'm like, that's what I'm going out here for. And okay, when the mind releases and stops fighting against me, then I'll have clarity into the soul. And I sort of, I'm out there hunting those things. I'm not going out there for a run because essentially I'm really bad at it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. And those, and, and, and that has been reversing the way I learned how to do life. Like we were talking about before. Yeah. Going out and running also, not only what you see, kind of the benefits you get from running, but also if your body is healthy and you're fit and oxygen is moving, it gives you more clarity. It clears out your mind. It allows you to experience and feel and think and be productive and all that. So it's, I'm learning these processes of like when I was at the top of my game, being one of the, one of the guys that was super fit in the world, looking at nutrition, looking at endurance and how to do everything. I mean, I nitpicked everything and looked at everything to try to find how can I make this machine or this body be as efficient as possible, as healthy as possible 
to where when I retired, I went on the exact, the exact opposite of like, I started not doing supplements, didn't do vitamins, started eating really bad, just kind of just went on the opposite trick because I was just tired of it. And now trying to come back of going, okay, the importance of being healthy is not just to perform, but also just to, to have clarity, right? Like, and I find like my clarity is so much better when I eat right. I sleep better when I'm healthy. I sleep, I, my mood is better when I go out and run and exert some energy. Mm. So all those things of like that journey of going for a run now for me too, is not about training. It's about solitude. It's about meditation. It's about prayer. It's about exploration to my thoughts and my mind. It's about learning, listening to a podcast, reflecting like so much comes from that time. And I did that when I raced, but I would spend, you know, eight hours to 10 hours a day by myself. And it was amazing because I was so in tune with who I was and I was a visionary and I would think of new ideas. You were a visionary. You were social distancing before it was yeah. even eight yeah. hours. Dude, you were a monk, bro. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> and so, yeah, now it's like, I miss some of that because I don't, I, it's not calendar in to my day now. Like I have to purposely go, okay, I need to get some alone time. And I think that's why I like surfing is even though you're in a community and around other surfers, you're still, you're still in that piece of being like alone or like you're leaving everything behind. Everything on shore is behind. You're in the ocean. It's kind of like now I'm just present and just enjoying what's coming to me, enjoying what God is going to send my way, enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey. And so for you, your reflection of running is, is, is teaching you something new. Surfing for me has always taught me something totally different than, than endurance, something that I needed. And I can totally relate to that. But then the cool thing is, is when I go back to surfing, it's now given back to me tenfold yeah. because I'm not operating out of these areas where I operated my whole life. Right now, now I'm looking through the lens of going, this is a gift. I don't get to do it that much. So when I do, I really enjoy it. I'm not performing. I don't care if the board is rides good or not, you know, and I know if I'm healthy enough and normally that's 155 pounds and below, I can do it pretty well. It'll take me like maybe 15, 20 minutes, a half hour. I can get back up to it really quick. So I'm so thankful for the gift and to be able to do it. So now when I do go surfing, I enjoy it to a level that I've never um, been able to do in my whole life. Yeah. So I yeah. think we're saying the same thing, but that's just, that's. Uh, totally. So tell me a little bit about just because a lot of people may not know who you are and what you do of where you started and what your, your early journey was like. Okay. So I, uh, I think part of the story includes my dad. And so, my dad grew up in North Carolina, met my mom in Virginia. All they wanted to do was go to the beach. All my dad wanted to do was surf. He moved to Cocoa Beach. By the time we were one years old, moved to Satellite Beach. And then all my dad wanted to do was surf. All my mom wanted to do was hang out on the beach. And then that's what we did, right? So that was sort of the introduction into here's the ocean. The beach is free. Here's where we hang out all day long. Do whatever you want in the water. I had a twin brother identical twin and we both just took to surfing and we're like let's just surf we would share surfboards wetsuits and then we just loved it like this is what we want to do this is all we want to do our whole lives and then as we 
we entered our first contest when we were 12, got last place, fourth, I mean, that was like fourth or fifth. And then, and then fast forward, there was a moment where I was like 17 and I told my dad, I was like, Hey dad, I think, I think I can do this. Like, I think I can become a professional surfer. Like I was humble enough and, and had a, enough sense of reality of, of uh, what actually was going on. Um, and I was like, hey, listen, like, I only think there's a couple guys that are better than us. So if I keep the mind right and keep going on this path and, you know, something that unforeseen doesn't happen, I think I might be able to pull this off. Then I qualified and when I was 19 years old. So I had about, you know, there's, you had the QS, which just takes about a year to do and not planned. Um, but some of all parts, um, I ended up qualifying when I was 19 and I did the tour from 19 to 35. So I did the tour for 17 years, you know, came quick rookie of the year, uh, most improved world title. Um, and then, yeah, all those things sort of happen. And, um, you want the thing I always say that I'm most proud of is, I've flown about 3,000 miles and I've never missed a plane flight on my own terms, meaning showing up to the counter on time. 3,000 um, miles or 3,000 flights? Oh, or? no, three, 3 million miles. I'm 3 sorry. 3 million miles. Yeah, 3 million miles. I said 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my greatest achievement because, and, and I tell it to everyone, I tell it to my kids, I'm like, listen, dude, all I had to do was show up. If I showed up enough times, I would outlast the next guy. And if I was on time, that already put me in front of everybody. And, and, these are, and these are just simple things, but that is me. My career wasn't the freak of nature. I wasn't. I had just the parts of everything, um, enough talent, enough mental, and then just enough of just grit, you know, of, of, of not, of, you know, stubbornly just going, I, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Did you find that early on that you had a lot of resources at, at your, as far as disposal, like, was it easy for you to get the boards and to train and to go surf or did you have to be super resourceful? Like, did you have to think outside the box or was it just kind of available for you to excel? Um, I didn't have, you know, all those things were available. I grew up in, in the golden age of, you know, that steak had such a big piece of fat on the backside of it and it just tasted juicy. So the money was there, the resources were there. That was the blessing. The curse was, oh, I'll just, I'll just, I don't have to give it everything here because there's, the resources are there, the water's flowing, you know drink a half a bottle of water and you set it down and you're like, Oh, there's another bottle and there's another bottle. It's just like human sort of what we do, you know? Um, so yeah, there was, there was a lot there. So I, so with that side of it saying to answer your question, I think I came up short of the full potential that was there because it, the, like if the, if the plant and the grape could have been like just the reserve blend you know, of being stressed out so good. I wasn't stressed out enough. I wasn't stressed out enough. So I only became the halfway good sort of wine. I, had I been stressed out more, I could have probably produced more. So wait a minute. So let me get straight. So you're saying that because you had a relaxed 
I don't want to say life, but a relaxed approach. And you weren't, was it that you weren't anxious or stressed just in sport that you had to like, you didn't push yourself enough or what, what was that? Like, well, there was looking back, there was the, you know, you always go, okay, what are the 0.01% where I could have done better? Right. You know, um, I could have got way more out of my body. Like that was probably the biggest thing that I could have trained harder, ate better. Um, and granted there, we were in a time where coming out of eighties and nineties, like surfers didn't really do that. And I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying, looking back, I could have, I could have got more out of there. I felt like the mental side was as strong as it could be. And, but the, the physical side of me, I could have got a little bit more out of it. Yeah. It's wild. Cause I would watch like you guys surfing or I would watch tennis or I'd watch, you know, sports that are more skill-based or whatever that you still have to have some fitness to. And I would look at some of these athletes and I'd be like, man, if you had like, I don't know, 20 or 30% of what I have, you guys would be crushing everybody because that, I agree. Yeah. And it's like at that time, people weren't looking into that and they're looking into it more and you see more athletes doing it now, but it's still not, I don't think it's still there. I think athletes can do so much more if they just take care of their foundational health and fitness and kind of boost it in. No, absolutely. And that, and essentially that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a weird way. <laughs> no, it's perfect. So if you were, if, if you were to, go back and see yourself back in that time. If it was late teens or early twenties, your first five years or 10 years in, in as far as the pro tour, what would you teach yourself or what would you tell yourself? What would you teach yourself that would, that would have changed your life or that you would have done different? That's a good, I mean, that's such a great question. I, I, I always, I do go back to, 18 years old and it's a big contest i'm in the quarterfinal and i'm like dude i've already this is this is more than i've wanted you know we're in portugal we have a big night out and i'm driving to the contest I'm with bobby martinez and i'm just like hammered and i'm like dude can you go check to see when they run and start the contest um because i'm hoping because the tide's so high they don't start so late and he comes back and he's like, dude, they're not starting the comp till 10. I'm like, Whew. all right, dude, I'm going to sleep this off. I'm going to hydrate. And I ended up winning my first big contest, you know? And so there was somewhat of a setup in that story where I could go, dude, you don't have to do all these things and you could still win. Had I done it differently, I wish I would have been able to tell myself that you're going to give it everything that you have regardless of the outcome. Like you're going to eat better. You're going to train harder and you're going to do all these things because you have a short period of time of when to make hay in this. And you're going to do all these things and you're going to remove yourself from the outcome because I showed up with that narrative that, if I worked hard, I expected to, I expected these things to happen. And I had trouble working that hard and being okay with losing, you know? And that was me. That was, that was everything that I was lacking, you know? So if I could tell myself again, that's what I would tell myself. 
and I would, I would be okay with that story and I would live out of that story. Yeah. But you still had the, the grit and you still had, like you said, like you still just were driven. You still showed up at every event. So you put in your time, but you would just say that you would work that extra little bit harder and, and pay attention to the small things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I still had the mentality of when the pressure was the greatest that's when I would perform my best. So like, even when I would go on a heat, I would be like, there's two minutes left, you need an 8.5. And I would already rehearse the worst case narrative with telling myself that's the most comfortable place that you operate out of. And no one else has that finite ability. So then when, this, then when it happened, I was like, comfort zone right here, but that's a blessing and a curse, right? So then that kept me away from like getting my body at where it needed to be. So you you enjoyed being in the clutch position. I I found like, because, out like because you found like for me like I would watch you serve. How many times did you pull it out with the last two minutes remaining in a heat? Right. I would find myself like believing that was the story. Yeah. Like I would find myself going, this is true. And even when it didn't happen, I still would feel like this is true. And this is how you were built. So let's just put the pressure on anyways, you know? And if I got, if I, from happenstance, if I got ahead in a heat or something, then, um, then whatever, so be it. Right. You know, but I would always tell myself, the worst case scenario essentially and believing that that was going that was going to allow me to perform the best yeah so that's pretty wild <laughs> it's, it's wild that you get that that you can reflect back and actually see that and see that that was a part of your your not tactic but a part of the way you performed yeah i mean i don't know if it was luck or or what but i just when I would reflect, I would be like, gosh, these things are kind of, these things are kind of true. So yeah, this, I mean, and so I think it's going to happen because it's happened. Um, it's happened before. Wait, did you lose me? Cause my for a second, but you're back. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thing went. So, right, then, so, yeah. so then through like events and through heats and stuff like that, did, did doubt ever set in? Like since you knew that you would thrive on that, the last two minutes, the clutch position or whatever, cause you would perform really well under that pressure. Did you have doubt either pre-heat, pre-matchup, or during an event itself? Did you wrestle with that at all and that bad mindset or that bad talk? You know, you know when doubt like really started creeping in was me trying to find an exit plan from surfing. I was like, doubt like really got a hold of me good because I got towards the end of my career. I would get injured. I was constantly looking for an exit plan. I was constantly praying to God, like, how do I get out of this thing? Like, my heart's not in anymore. Essentially, I'm cheating on the sport I love, that the gift you've given me, because I'm doing the minimal I have to do, because I'd rather spend time with my family. But this is what pays the bills. But how do I get out of it? And like, I remember I would do bad and I would keep doing bad. and. You know, my wife would be like, dude, is it? And I'm like, it's, it's going to happen. Like things are going to happen. But then when I would, but then this, but then I would believe that I would doubt that 
you're going to, you're never going to find a way out of this. You're, you know, you're going to quit surfing and you'll never be able to make any money. And it's going to be bad. Like you're going to get last place and that's going to be your, that's going to be your exit, you know? So at the end of my career, trying to get out of surfing, like doubt creeped in more than I've ever experienced. Yeah. Well, and was that during the period of time when you didn't have a title sponsor or was it still after? Cause like for me on the outside, looking in during those years where you didn't have a title and watching you surf or watching you, you know, get hurt or whatever, it seemed like you were wrestling a lot like during that period of time as an athlete, as like identity potentially or whatever. But then I found when you finally got as far as connected with salty crew, it seemed to me that there was a new spark and a new drive in that. Was that true? Yeah, I mean, it, it was true for me with not having a sponsor and grant, a lot of people don't have sponsors. I mean, um, nowadays, but for me in that time, I would just go, dude, like you're top 10 in the world or even top five in the world and you don't have a major sponsor. And, and I would look around, I'd be like, you know, in, in, I mean, basically a cocky sort of way. Like I, for me, when I didn't have a sponsor, I just stacked chips. I just stacked the chips and stacked the chips. And, uh, I was just like, dude, this guy can't even carry my lunchbox to work. And, and he's, and, and he's making twice as much as you. If you think, if you're going to allow him to take food off your table, he doesn't have what you have. You have an extra layer of grit and an extra, you know, you're stacked way more chips than he does. Even if the guy was like from Brazil, from like a poor, you know, family or whatever, I would still stack the chips where I was like, this this guy essentially has it better than you you know so i was i was kind of lost in that way of just stacking chips and being angrier than the next guy and then when i found salty crew i was like i i got a little more sense of this could be an exit plan so the doubt sort of subsided a little bit and um and like having hope of a way out was um was more of a reality yeah and that journey of of exit you know for me you know we chatted a little bit about it but i had i had that as well you know like for me the last two years of my career i had an achilles issue and so i kind of faked it i faked it for two years would train not much at all in the running do like lunges and things that would allow me to have that strength to finish a race but post race, I couldn't walk for like two days and I wrestled and prayed so much of like, Hey Lord, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to transition? Do I keep going? It was almost like I wanted an answer. Like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. But I had to walk through this did, journey. Did myself. you feel like there was definitely some guilt that was associated with that? <laughs> you know, like when you show up to a race and you know that you're not all there, and yeah, you go and perform, but you're kind of just like going through the motions, you know? And then for me in my sports, a little yeah. bit, where I could, I took a year and kind of went on tour with my family and go, okay, what races do I want to go to that I can bring my family and have an experience? And I would still, you know, race, but yeah, I would start feeling guilty in that. Like, man, I'm getting flown around and I'm doing these amazing things and I'm, and I'm kind of half-assing, you know, like the event mm. and you feel feel bad about that you know and and i finally had to stop 
and just be like, yeah, this isn't right. And against your sponsors too, you know, like for that, at that time, it was all about results driven, you know, now it's a little bit, a little bit more about like how you approach it, your social media, how, how much of a, uh, you know, mentor you are, how you get it out there. So it's a little bit, a little bit new now, but Dude, yeah, that journey isn't, is isn't that crazy? Like, cause I'm looking at you going like, I could mask it, right? Every addict is trying to, you know, um, just do this perfect dance of like, I'm not an addict, right? And I could go surfing, essentially like cheat on surfing, feel guilty, not really reconcile, but I'd be like, oh, you know what, Chris, I just didn't get the waves. You, where the performance meter was just on display, you had to go out there Dude, you might be a bigger addict than me because that's hard to do. Like, when well, I, on that display, you had to been like, oh, dude, Mike, what'd you do? What was your excuses? Like, dude, my, my tire blew again. <laughs> no, yeah, see, I didn't do it for that. So I was at a point where I knew I wasn't at my best, but I tried to figure out, one, I wanted to get better. So I was flying around the world trying to find out how to fix my Achilles or how to resolve it so I could continue to do it. So I was trying to string it along okay. as far as long as I could. So I would show up to a race not prepared as well as I should be, and I would still perform, but there were times where it would flare up more that I had to pull out of an Ironman, right? Like I would oh, do the okay. bike and I would kill the bike because I knew I couldn't run. So then it was like, mm. all right, I'll swim yeah. as fast as I can. I'll get in the front of the bike. I'll get my camera time. My sponsors will be happy. I'll break a record. I'll get off and I'll, I'll go for a mile, right? Um, those yeah. ones were really shameful. You know, those ones were really difficult, but luckily there wasn't very many, there wasn't very many of those. Usually I would just gut it out and finish and I'd be in severe pain. And a lot of times I still would, I would yeah. still win or get second or third. So it wasn't, wasn't like I was that bad, but yeah, it was just more internal. No, 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 no. But look, no, no, I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying the way we can mask things, right? Cause we know more best than anybody. Right. And I'm just saying, I used to mask stuff all the time. I actually went to Tahiti for um, that heritage heat, and I started talking to one of the surfers, and I looked at him, and I go, bro, you're just going to have to be okay with this part of the season right now, you know, this chapter. Because he was essentially saying, like, I've lost the love. I feel like I'm cheating on the sport, but there's enough talent there. I still perform. These great things still happen. So you have that like little internal conflict, you know, um, and uh, it, it happens with it happens with every athlete. Dude. Yeah, every yeah. Don't you, think part of, don't you think it's partially just identity, right? Like, so your identity is in that, and that's what you do. So if you don't yep. know what else you're gonna do, like, where do you go? You're kind of like, this is what I do. I have to keep doing it because I don't yeah. know what next month's gonna bring if I just stop right now. If I just stop right now, where do I go? and that's i mean that's it like you said it's like to find that exit and how do you transition from one to the next and for me it was moved to hawaii and i raced for two years still and i did i did well when i lived here but when i stopped i just kind of disappeared you live on an island you can disappear pretty easy <laughs> you can be on the down low yeah well we're lost i mean even if you even if you, like we're lost right so we're all talking about you know, are we reflecting on this, this, this chapter of this season where we were kind of lost, right? We come from a performance goal orientated, you know, slaying the dragon adventure, like all these things wrapped into our job. 
and then we get we get pretty lost right like then you just you know the physical side when you when you retire and all these things into and to be able to find your way back is what we're talking about and to be able to find your way back and you know it's funny because like if when i would go surf i would be like i would rock up to the beach and i wouldn't be like i'm gonna surf right here i'd be like where's the best peak and i'll go over here and this adventure side of it, right? So if I go for a run, I never try to like plot where I'm gonna run. I'm always like, I'm gonna run, I think I'll run this far, but I'm not sure. But so it's, I still able to use all these things that I've learned that I found out that I really enjoyed about surfing and apply those to other areas, right? So there's gotta be the adventure side and I can't be hunting performance. I'm going out for a different prey. And I have to live out of these areas. And it's like, if I can do those things, it, those are the tools that keeps the world at bay. You know, that keeps the, keeps the enemy from, from ultimately winning. Right. And, uh, and I think, I think those are, those are the cool things that I'm, that I'm, that I'm finding in this stage of life that are really fun. Yeah. So like you say, and, and you say that when you're in, when you're not as far as performance driven, when you have that realization that performance is not the key or the, the end all, when you, when, you, when you compete from a place of like you don't care to a certain extent is when sometimes you can p compete at your best. So you talk about this new era, this new place that you're in, a realization of like you don't have to perform anymore. How would you give somebody tactical or practical practices? Like what do you have to do? Like how do you do that? Because even me now, it's like in work or in whatever, it's like you're still trying to perform. So let's hash, hash it out a little bit or explain it a little bit more in detail or how would you teach somebody or what, what specific things would you advise someone to do to get out of that, that trap or to get out of that, that place of being stuck of feeling like you have to perform and, or please or whatever that may be. Well, I think and this is like the hardest thing to do is to, f and, and a lot of people don't want to go on this journey, but, <laughs> um, but first of all, you, I, I would say you have to figure out how it was designed, right? So how did God design it? Right. How did he design me and you in this stage of life? Right. So, um, and it's crazy because I was talking to my brother Damien this morning and, um, I was listening to the stories of survival um, on these podcasts, right? And this one story, these, this crew was in the Amazon, right? And they were bickering. It was three guys. You're going the wrong way. I'm going, you know, I'm doing this right. They constantly were just at each other. It's over it. You've picked that guy. And I'm doing the odd man out. The second they got to a point of where up the creek without a paddle, and the second it went to survival mode, they all went, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry for this. And all these good things were able to happen, right? So I felt like when you're in the craziest survival mode, you're, you're, you're essentially just, you, you are living out of your heart, right? Because your mind's going crazy. You're try, I mean, you're trying to get anchored into things that like, and then I look at this and then like knowledge doesn't. So all these times, these guys on these survival trips, they had to make a choice 
where they didn't know the answer, right? So me and you, Chris, we could be the genius, right? We could be the smartest people in the world. But if we had to sit down and we were stranded on an island and I said, hey, should we go 40 miles to get to the other side of the island? Or should we swim 30 miles? Or should we stay right here until someone finds us? You see how every option can sound really good, but every option could be death or every option could be life. Like there's a point where, and we're sort of living in that right now with these times um, where we're having to live out of like areas that were, um, that essentially God sort of designed us for, you know? So for me, so for you to get the best out of me and you right now, we're going to have to live out of this time that we live. It's not, a warrior mentality anymore it's not a performance mentality it's a it's sort of a kingdom ship you know are we are we making the best decisions for our family are we being the man that god designed us to be in this moment so if you can fully find out how god designed you and how and the best way to do that is, is to go to him and ask him you know so if i were to do that for a young kid i would i would I would figure out how to get him to a spot where he figured this is where he's the most passionate and this is where the best place for him to live out of it this time, you know? And once he was good with that story, then that foundation's laid and then we can, then he can go perform at his best, right? Because he understands that story and that story is better than a win. So he's let go from that. He's let going from the performance side, even though he's showing up in a performance mentality. So I know I kind of went around my butt to my elbow there, but something along those lines, it's a moving target. It changes day to day. The second you figure it out, now your heart's changed. And now you've changed as a person. The things you like and dislike have changed. So you're constantly reorientating, constantly grabbing the anchor, putting it in a different spot. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good because you find like a lot of the professional athletes that I know or that I see, it's like when you retire and you stop competing, you go through this period of time of reflection, this period of time of like identity and you start, a lot of them come to a place of realization that yes, life is not about performance, right? And then they want to teach the young saying, hey, you're about to go into the sport. This is what you need to do and you can't look at it this way and that way. And it comes from a place of like, I just want the best for you, right? But a lot of times the response may be like, oh, you don't know, you're old, you're retired or whatever. Like, I want to make it. I want to be successful. I want to be, I want to be at the top. And so there's this drive and that drive comes from performance. But I loved how you said it's like you have to understand who you are right now. And by knowing who you are and being accepted for who you are, then from that place you can go perform. So you didn't say don't perform. He said, perform in a place of being okay with yourself. And the newest thing that I've come across is, is stating these three words, which is I am enough. When you get to a place of understanding that who I am right now, I am enough right now if I win or lose. And from that place of freedom, from that place of being accepted mm. or feeling loved, then you can perform at your very best. And that's just a hard thing to, to teach or to get across, I guess. Well, that... It, it is very hard to teach. And like, what if I hired you as a coach and you were trying to teach me these things and then, and what if I just won the world title last year? I could be like, Chris, what are you talking about? I just won everything last year. I just won it all. 
and now you're trying to teach me so you can see how all of it become can be a setup right and i think the the craziest point is and, and the toughest point for an athlete is after they've won everything they've reached the pinnacle then they try to operate out of that area when they've changed and they're trying to do the same thing that worked for them now but the same thing that worked for them now is not working for them then but then when they go on that journey and it's normally the long way home there and figure out that different way oh my gosh there's so much growth that happens yeah and um and i think that's really cool to watch in sport yeah and i think you have to surround yourself by people that are where you want to go right so if you're a new athlete that wants to learn how to be a top surfer where do you go you go you learn from the top surfers you watch videos you connect or you get coached or you go on a camp or you go on a retreat where you can get like as far as direct knowledge from somebody who's been there before right you as far as grew up with a twin that pushed you pretty hard i'm sure as far as daily to improve yourself right because you had to keep up you couldn't let your brother up you right so, yeah, so essentially i had a coach my whole life yeah yeah and so now in life too it's like how do you look for somebody for this next phase um, or taking somebody that's done it and has been successful and has been successful post-career to be like, hey, if, if I knew what I'm trying to teach you now, which is to accept yourself for who you are, to state those things that I'm enough, to be comfortable with your identity of who you are, then perform, I know that I would have performed way better. So it's not like I'm mm. trying to, as a coach, tell you to do something totally different. It's it's building and stacking on top of what has already made you great, right? So if you were a world champ before, it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, you were a world champ last year and you can do it again, but it's not the same because you were a world champ last year when last year you weren't a world champ the year before. So your whole mentality is different going into the next year. So everything changes constantly. Yeah. And, and that's part of the fun. Man. That's part of the, the enjoyment of it all. And that's, you know, I mean, we're, we're living that right now, you know, yeah. And it's funny because like you talk about those areas, but like we're essentially living in that right now. Right. So there's a spot where safety can't save you. You know, and now you're starting to question like, Whoa, I thought my government had my best interest. Like, okay. Now, so you started questioning these things and it's so cool this time that we're living in. Cause like, I think the other side of this is like, is like revival. Like it's really good. Like when you're at a point where like, if I'm showing up to the party and I'm just going, yeah, dude, it's all good. Everything's perfect. Comfort, you know, um, security. So now I've taken out of, I've taken a lot of faith out of it. Right. Because, and then I've taken out adventure because I traded that in for comfort. Like, there's things that we've traded in that the world's sort of come back at it. And now the, now we're getting pushed back right now, right? We're getting pushed back of like, dude, I don't got the answer. I don't know. I, we got to survive right now. But back to that analogy of survival, I don't know what the best thing is, you know? Um, but let's just do it and let's move forward that we're going to be okay, you know? That's why I was really so stoked to like start listening to all these stories of survival because I was like, I, it was like a, little microcosm of like what we're in right now yeah because we will get through it like we'll get through it and if you focus on 
how bad it is or woe is me, then you're never going to get through it. And you're never going to find the opportunity. But there's so much opportunity and so much growth or revival, as you said, that at the end of this, this journey in the times that we're in now or whatever trial you're in, in sport or work or relationship, you, you got to go through that process and just be like, I'm going to deal with what I have right now. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to look at things that I, as far as can be grateful for right now in this moment. And then move from that and focus on what the potential is and what can be better on the other side. Yep. So foundation, faith, I am enough. I mean, I'm grateful, you know, and now I can go perform. And it's in, and I, it's cool. Cause I was, I was hearing you speak and I kept thinking like, Oh my gosh, that's what I'm telling myself in this moment right now. Like I am enough to, because I have faith and, and believe in God and Jesus and, and the creator's given me enough that I can move forward, like under his authority with the authority that I have over. And then, and then I can be okay with that. And then I can perform after that. Right. Um, so, you know, that's what's so cool about sport is because it essentially just teaches about life. <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. What is something that you're grateful for right now? Right now in this moment, what are you what are you most most grateful for? I mean, when when I when I peel back the layer, like, and I go, the most things I've gone to lately is, and this and this is almost like on a daily. We'll just say every other day, but I'm like, I'm so thankful I can feed myself. I'm so thankful I can feed my family. Like, I'm so thankful that I have food on the table. Like, I don't think I've ever lived, the 40 years I've lived a life, I don't think I've ever appreciated a meal as much as I do. That I'm thankful. I'm thankful for food, you know? And what? how else would I be able to be thankful for th that something as small as that potentially without um, me living in this time right now? What are you thankful for? What are the things you most thankful for? Oh, every day. Yeah, I've learned to every day when I wake up, the first thing I have to do is think of three things that I'm grateful for. And usually the most, most things are as far as my kids, my family, for sure. That, that drives me daily is just to have that love and that connection um, that we are alive and that we have so much blessings around us, right? Like it's even mm -hmm. the little things. Like during this time, it's realizing the little things of like, man, I'm so grateful that we get to go down to the beach and I can go surf. Yeah. We're not on full lockdown. I'm mm -hmm. grateful that, yeah, like you said, like we have food in the fridge or that Costco is still open or whatever. Yeah. The things that I have noticed the most is getting up in the morning, walking outside and going for a walk or going for a run. But during my run, seeing so many people out walking that I never saw before on the same streets that I run mm -hmm. on all the other times. But because of this period that we're in, people are taking time for themselves. They're walking, they're reflecting, they're talking, they're laughing, they're having a relationship. And yes, there's stress of lack of work or the fears of economy and all those things. But we just talked about what you focus on. If you focus on the negative, it's just going to get worse if you focus on the positive. So it's like, even in this crisis and in this place that we're in, I, it seems to me that there's more joy because people are spending more time reflecting on their own, their own selves, taking care of themselves, connecting with people. Yeah, it, I agree. 
I agree. I agree. Cause, because the joy is coming from a different area. Right. So maybe me and your, maybe my joy was like 50 K's in the bank account. That's the joy. Don't have to worry about now. The joy is coming from an area of like, dude, so stoked. There's food in the fridge. Dude, I'm so stoked. I can go to the beach. Like, do you see how it just got flipped on its head? So it got, I was able to get joy from, from the beauty. And like, when you talk about going outside, like I'm able to notice so much more beauty because of this time. So the joy is more prevalent and I'm getting it from just, just the most simplest of things, you know? And, uh, you know, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about Salty Crew. I want to understand kind of a little bit about that brand and how that came about for you and kind of what your current role is and situation there is. Uh, I mean, dude, that was just a God thing, man. Uh, Jared had called me up. Him and Hayden had sort of messed around with some hooks and it came together as an ass. And then they were like Salty Crew. And then, and then so at that time, which was seven years ago, they were like, Hey, you know, the, the industry's kind of lost its way. We've kind of moved away from the beach, you know, let's just salty standing the acronym standing for salvaging a lifestyle for tomorrow's youth. So let's sort of like in that way, bring the youth back to the beach and let's just do things how they, they used to do things. Um, not anything different, you know, and just sort of like encouraging the industry to get back to its roots. Right. And I mean, that was, and then let's just be surrounded by rad people, right? So this is not like any sort of, it's funny because then it's just like, and then we're putting fish on, you know, t-shirts and hats or whatever. I mean, yeah, we have technical stuff and all that stuff, but essentially we're doing the most basic of things, Chris, like that have been around forever. Like we're not, and then, so that's why I just simply say like, oh, this is a God thing. Like, because he just is like operating. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's kind of the basis of it. Yeah. What's your, um, what's your role there? Well, I'm the area that I had dreamed about or would, would give me the most joy would be to, you know, give back to what people have given me, you know, and, um, and what better way to do that than to be in this position. So, um, as far as like putting my hand up and wanting to, um, connect with a Grom or, you know, even someone older, just basically living their dreams really. And then for me just to exist, to be able to, uh, help with that, whatever way that looks like it could be anything. Um, then yeah, that's, that's the role I want. That's what I put my hand up for. Yeah. So like you guys was with salty crew it's really it's not just a brand of t-shirts and whatever it's really a culture in a community that you create right like everyone wants to be part of that community and culture and so that really um, starts from the top it starts from you guys uh, it starts from how you guys are going to portray it and then it goes down to who's a part of that so what kind of characteristics or what do you look for criteria wise of people that are going to be a part of that as you're molding this you know like some people would look at straight performance. Hey, is this guy crushing it? Mm -hmm. Is he the next, the next John John or whatever? Or what do you look for? What is your criteria? That's a great question. I don't, and I don't even know if, I don't know if I have a criteria. I mean, I'm sure I have a criteria in the sense of like, 
how I feel and, but I don't have, it's not written down. Right. I think for me personally, and this is just me personally, definitely I th the thing that pops into my, my, my brain first is the, does he take the lowest seat? You know, meaning does, is other people just vouching for him? Hey, check this kid out. Hey, this kid's rad. Hey, you know, like one of the biggest things would just be, you know, I basically are other people claiming him, right? You know, if I went up and told you how great I was, that would probably be a red flag for you, Chris, to go, well, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So that's what I think of real quick. And I'm sure if we sat here for a long time, I could give you other things, but um, just, the, just humility, taking the lowest seat. Yeah. And I, I think the reason why I went down that road was just as I just feel like that it's not just about results for you guys. It's just not about that. Like with your, like hearing your story and meeting you and chatting with you and seeing how you guys portray it, it just seems like, yeah, you connect with athletes, you connect with people that are going to help carry your story, which is it's, it's about life and it's about enjoyment. It's about the, the ocean. It's about experience and stuff like that. And not just like, check me out on the best. Look at this last maneuver I did, you know? Um, so yeah, that's why I went down that route. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely dude. Just from like clickbait to like everything. I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so thankful the people that work at Salty Crew, like I look up to all of them and I love the fact that like, you know, like, even this time that we're in right now, like we're promoting like family, like we're promoting, like, I mean, you see the Salty Crew on Instagram. It's like, we're uh, we're not fishing for what's going to get the most likes we're trying to we're 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 trying to promote just foundational things that are that are going to be true for hopefully for a long long time <laughs> totally i know you got to go so i want to wrap up a little bit but what are th three characteristics that you would or that you see in successful athletes or as far as successful people like what are the common three characteristics that you think are a necessity or important to have that? I think, um, and look, there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be exceptions to the rule. Just be okay with that. Right. You know, there's always going to be the freak of nature that all the rules are thrown out for him. <laughs> I think, I think, um, a sense of reality, like a sense of actually what is happening that's very um, eminent or true. I think understanding that, you know, is something that is that that people have. I think that's a really good one because they're unable to understand that moment of time they're in right now and capture the most of what's what's you know um, available to them in that and then having a gift right i mean there's got to be something that's that you've been given that's sort of outside of your control that you have this gift and then and then just mind body soul and then um and just having the faith that it's going to work out you know regardless of how how dire it can seem at times how far it can seem but just having the faith that it is going to work out and you're going to get to your destiny that's good
one thing that I have written down is desire, design, and destiny. That's good. Desire, design, and destiny. We've talked about those things a lot, right? Like what's the design in it? How is it created? You know, what's your desires, the heart's desire. And then if you have those things, well, then your destiny and you, and you want to work at that for the next 10 or 20 years of your life, you'll get to a spot that you're stoked with. <laughs> yeah. What are those for you right now? Or what is your dream right now? Like, what do you dream about right now in your life? It's funny because when I was sort of had lost my way, um, after retiring, I noticed that one of the first things that had been taken away from me was my ability to dream. And I know as I sort of was finding my way back, I noticed that I started dreaming more. And then, you know, we talked about these things, but I mean, ultimately being a good steward of what I have right now, my family, my wife, my kids. So, um, I dream a lot about being in a position of cheerleading my wife along because she's done that for me for so long. Um, and then I dream a lot of, I think about a lot of like giving my kids and giving my kids everything, but then, but then a lot, but not giving them too much comfort. Like they knowing that they have to struggle and they have to sort of have these things. So I sort of dream like, you know, higher level, I sort of dream about the things I'm given, right? So like, how can I be the best steward of these things? And what does that look like? You know, so I dream about that. I dream about like, other companies. It's funny, I'm like, God's giving me like the best company to be with. And like, I'll dream about like, well, what are you preparing me for? You're preparing, you've given this to me because you're preparing me for like, what else is it? And I'm always like, not super grasses all greener, but like always looking around the corner. So I'm always dreaming about that. And then, you know, some of my dreams are like, I want to, I would like to be able to do uh, Ironman one time, you know, um, just an adventure in it. I would like to be able to like run 50 miles or run a hundred miles just because I know going to that area of suffering that there's something available that I just don't even know is there until I do it. And so, you know, we kind of casted a big net there, but I'm dreaming about a lot of stuff. That's good. That's good to have dreams. <laughs> you know, so many people can't even think of one. So if you got a bunch, that means you're, you're moving, you're hustling. So that's a good thing. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> and then we'll have to do a 50 miler together or a 60 miler. Yeah, that would be really cool, man. Um, I haven't done one really, yet either, but. Yeah, I think we could, look, we probably wouldn't even see each other the whole time. Right. But, at the end we could um we could have a camaraderie or brotherhood that um just by walking in those shoes we will have an understanding um that that connects us you know totally and one of the things that i've learned now post post career and performance in running for example one of the things that finally got me back to running was connecting with people that are in the ultra running world right like the ones that are running the 50 milers or whatever and understanding that it's not about the journey it's about the journey right yes you want to perform well you want to do the best you can but above and beyond all that it's really about the process and the journey of that experience right the challenges of it the difficulty the length of it the lack of sleep or that the 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 mount everest of that 
event for you, which could be for that whole year or for that whole like few years. So it's a, it's a big effort. Um, but it got me back to running to where I don't have to be shameful for running a nine minute mile or running a 10 minute mile or stopping and walking. You can walk for 10 miles. You can walk for 10 miles. If totally. You so I love that about it because like when you just said that, it's like, no, if we're going to go run a 50 miler together or go do something, it's, it's the journey of doing it. Right. It doesn't mean you have to be together, but it, it's not about like, okay, the start, Hey, see you later. And I'll see you at the finish. It's like, let's journey together for aspects of it. Could be the whole thing. It could be 10 miles of it. It could be five miles. It could be a piece of it. But that is yep. what I hear from everyone that does events like that. It's about the journey. It's about the people that were a part of that and the challenge of pushing yourself beyond where you thought was possible. So it's pretty fun. Do, do you ever think about the side of it is like, I always think about that quote. It was, it was one of the ultra guys had said it, but it was like, run a mile, you run a mile, you run like a marathon, but you run a hundred miles, you find God. And I'm always like, I want to find God. I want to find God. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll experience you ever, an Iron Man like, too. Iron Man for okay. sure. Like, okay, so yeah. I'll just do it then. And I, Iron Man is definitely, and that's something, you know, because I did it forever, it, it was still a challenge, but it lost that, for me, it lost that piece of like, man, I'm going, I'm going to the, the barrel. I mean, w when I was racing, you race to as hard as you can, as fast as you can. So the pain is different, but the, the journey is different, right? Where if you do it for the first time or the first few times, you do experience the deepest lows, the hardest challenges, the areas that you have mm -hmm. to like talk yourself out of it or just focus or look at the next, not even the next mile of the marathon, but the next 10 steps going, I just got to make 10 steps and then I'll worry about the next 10 steps when I get these first 10 steps, right? Or just get to the aid station. And those- That excites me. That's where I, that's that's I want to go. <laughs> yeah. And, and you talk about life, like running is teaching you about life. Ironman is the same thing. That journey will teach you so much about yourself and so much about what's important and really what you can do when it gets difficult. And even like the time that we're in now, it's like you focus on where you want to go. You don't focus on the negative. And I'll tell you one more analogy, which I love. So when you ride a bike and you're going down a hill or you're riding down, let's say you're going 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. If you see a rock in the road and you look at that rock and you go, I don't, I, I want to make sure I don't hit that rock. You're going to hit mm -hmm. the rock. You'll hit it every yeah. because what you look at draws you to that. So on a bike, if you're riding and you see a rock, you acknowledge that it's there, but you instantly look to the left or the right of it and focus on that. Mm -hmm. And the peripheral vision will see the rock but you focus on the path of where you want your wheels to go. Because if you don't, you will hit that rock. Or if you're going yeah. around the corner, coming down a mountain and the hairpin is super tight and you're going too fast and you're going around the corner, if you focus on the cliff that you may go over, you will drift and go <laughs> over the cliff. You have to look to the left. Wherever you move your head, your bike will go. You can't doubt the machine. Yeah. On. So it's that, that whole analogy is something that I, I use kind of almost every day in my life. I'm just trying to get through every day. You know, you got to look at what, yeah. one last question and then we'll, we'll call it, we'll call it good. What three things would you want to teach those that look up to you or those that are behind? Like what are the three main lessons that you want to teach people? 
I, I mean, definitely one thing I wanted to, want to as we sort of talked about too a little bit, but definitely one thing is just failure, you know, like all, I would love to see people that like all your mistakes will, will equal success. Like if I were to sit here and tell you all my, my failures, you would look at me and go, wow, you're really successful, right? That means I just showed up enough times regardless of the outcome that made me successful, right? Um, and I, and, and I didn't know that until, and that's why I love your story so much and, and is because it's just like, in my mind, you're the most successful person there is by how many times you failed, you know? And um, I can tell you that in my, in my past marriages, I can tell you that in my, my, my surfing world, I can tell you that in all everything I operated in, I, I failed many times. So that would be the biggest thing is um, just you will fail so many times and that will equal your, your, your success. You know, failure is never final. Um, you know, gave it everything regardless of the outcome. Above all, just... He, you know, he, he loved his family. I love those quotes of just like, you know, you, Mother Teresa, you want to go home, you want to save the world, go home and do it with your family. You know, what better is a man who governs himself than takes a city? Like, you, you want to be able to sit in discomfort and not feed the flesh, right? So, like, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> Well, we didn't get to talk much about your documentary, but I loved watching it. It was a great story. And um, how would someone find out about getting there? Where, as far as can they go? I know Amazon has it now too. So, how would people yeah, just Google it. It's it's on enough platforms, and like you can find it for free. So, um, you'll it, it'll be it'll be cool. And it's it's a uh, it's a story. Yeah, it's a story of failure. It's a story of identity. It's a story of performance is a story of just restoration and all of those things that surfing is the backstory and and you know but it's also the vehicle uh that um gets to where we're going yeah and it is called at two if i see right and two if i see which is uh kind of like a tongue twister there so we we wanted to use the we wanted to start it with a so like when it went on the searches it would be at the first letter of the alphabet <laughs> <laughs> right on well for those that want to see it it'll, it'll be in the show notes as well i'll have all links um for all your stuff that we talked about in the show notes so i'll have a link to your documentary i'd seriously encourage everyone to go and watch it is seriously a great uh, great great story got a lot out of it it was great to see you just being raw and being real um so that's one of the things i want to do too before we leave i just want to say thank you for your journey that you've been through and really um, what that's meant to myself and to so many people in the sports world in the surfing world but totally outside of it as well just the, the the drive like I see so much of the drive in you to be great in what you do but more so above all that what radiates the most is your heart to want to encourage people to better themselves to grow and to, um, yeah, I think like the things that you said, it's like that failure is a good thing. 
Um, and, and family is super important and that's one of the most important things. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for, for all you do and, and what you stand for. So. Oh, Chris, I appreciate that. And like, um, and the, you know, the sort of the reciprocity or reciprocalness of it all is like, you give me those things. Like you give me those things in your failures, in your family and, you know, and, and all the things that you're navigating right now is just like super duper inspirational for me. Um, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm so stoked on you, dude. Um, Oh, you know what you, you asked, you know what I always had a dream about. I've been dreaming a lot about like the surfing world and like the sort of running triathlete world. Like I all, I dreamed about those two, like finding their way together. You know, and I don't even know what that looks like. I have, no, you know, it probably stops there. But um, there are dreams that I see with people that, you know, like yourself that are navigating life with, using those, using those, um, those outlets, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, who knows? This could be, this could be the start of it, bro. Totally. Well, <laughs> I mean, you look at like, you know, there's like for me, the outlet and the savior has been surfing, right? And for you, your outlet has been running and endurance. And both of those have areas of reflection of, of life and times to meditate and times to, to reflect. And I think honestly, a time, a time to, to hear God. You know, when I think about my life and pivotal points or areas, um, Training and being on my bike was always a place of worship and was always a place of prayer. For me, competing, especially in Ironman, Ironman 100%, that distance was always before I left and before I started the day, was always in prayer in the ocean at the start line, laying there on my back, thanking God for where He's brought me to on that day, right? Like, going, I did all the work, put everything into it. There's nothing more I can do. Now it's letting go and going, today is your day. I'm going to give everything that I have. Guide me and direct me and tell me which way to go. When you, when you say left, I'll go left. When you say right, I'll go right. When you say attack, I'll attack. You know, and, and trying to be in that state of listening to God. And it's easier to do, and this is what I'm trying to find now in life. It's, it's, it was easy. It's easier for me to do specifically in a sport, right? Like in a race, I can mm. for this eight hours, I'm going to be on this journey and I know it's going to be painful. It's going to be exhilarating. It's going to be challenging. And in it, I'm going to have God guide me in every way. Right. But I've already mm. done the training and I've already done the tools and I'm prepared. Give everything I have, listen to him to guide me. And wherever I end up is where I end up, but I give it all every time. I give it to mm -hmm. the dying end, right? And yeah, so for me, racing and training is when I felt the closest to God. And times before I got in triathlon and sometimes after, but specifically I remember moments surfing when I lived in Newport Beach. I used to work at Huntington Surfing Sport but I lived in Newport and I'd be out surfing. And in those moments of stillness, would hear God speak to me about like one analogy would be like a wave is coming to you. Do you just sit and wait for it to, to do you sit and wait for the perfect wave to come to you right where you're at? Or do you have to paddle towards it? Do you have to move towards a wave mm. that you see coming? You see it come in the horizon. 
do you just look at it and go, wow, that's an amazing wave you're sending God and watch it come and watch it go because you're in the wrong spot? Or do you take the initiative and paddle towards it and go, yeah, God sends us stuff every day, but you have to move towards it. You still have to take that effort. You still have to, still have to push yourself, you know? I don't know if that yeah, there's sense. a I was just thinking through. No, well, there, there's look, there's a lot of there's a lot of the creation baked into um, these activities, right? Yeah, and so we're able to draw analogies and sit in those moments, and whether it's meditating or whether it's getting to a point of being so uncomfortable you feel like you're gonna die. You know, they always say there's no atheist in the impact zone. Like when you're on the bottom and you're going to black out, it's just like there's some clarity that happens. And when you're going through, running through the desert or whatever that area is, there's a lot of moments of clarity because you can't think beyond that moment, you know, because all you, you, you there's everything that you can do at that moment just to live in that moment, you yeah. know, um, that there's a lot of cool things that happen. So there, there is a lot of those things that, that happen that we're able to get tools to essentially um, for, for life to make sense or for us to, 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 to operate as human beings. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm stoked we got to connect. <laughs> yeah, man, I appreciate it, dude. Thanks for, um, thanks for inviting me, taking the initiative. And then, um, yeah, I'm stoked when this comes out. I'm stoked that our worlds are crossing and, and all the people that, that you have. Um, and you stay in touch. this will be fun. Sure. Yeah, this will be fun, whatever whatever direction or it looks like. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with CJ Hobgood, world champion surfer. I encourage you to go check out his documentary as well. Uh, all of the links and information is in the show notes or the links below. So please go check it out. Also, please go and support our sponsors that allow this broadcast to happen or allow this podcast to happen. So please go ahead and check out the supporting sponsors and make sure you check out the additional episodes of the Chris Toledo podcast, support us, make sure you like us and please share uh, these episodes if you like them. So want to make sure that we get the word out there. So thank you very much for your support. Aloha and we'll see you next time. Aloha.